for choosing the podcast of LifePoint Church in Ozark, Missouri. LifePoint is a body of believers led by God's Spirit to engage in His redemptive mission in the world. We love Jesus and desire to serve Him by leading people to be real Christ followers in life together. We hope that this message will be a blessing and an encouragement for your life. If you would like more information about LifePoint Church, please visit us on the web at www.lifepointozark.com. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll be in verses 6 through 16 today. We are in a series that we just started last week entitled United. United together in the gospel. It's a study of the book of 1 Corinthians. And what I said last week and just kind of understanding our approach to the book of 1 Corinthians is this. Is that at first reading, 1 Corinthians can seem like it's about everything. I mean, it just deals with an array of issues and topics of life. But the fact of the matter is, is that 1 Corinthians is really just about one thing, and that's how the gospel of Jesus Christ unites God's people for His kingdom mission. And so in this series, as we study the book of 1 Corinthians, we are laboring to live as a people who are united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I want you to grasp this truth, friends. Unity fuels God's people for kingdom mission in the world. Unity fuels God's people. And the Spirit of God is always laboring to bring unity and to strengthen us in that unity. Before we read from the text this morning, I want to ask you a question because I want to help frame your mind for what we're going to talk about today. Have you ever considered the many ways that the world says to seek wisdom or to offer counsel to us? Have you ever thought about that? It offers an array of of opportunities, does it not? I mean, when we talk about uh, seeking counsel, sometimes people think of fortune tellers or tarot cards where you go and you ask a question and through this magical incantation or process, uh, some word of counsel comes back that seems to have come out of nowhere. Some of you remember the magic eight ball, remember that? You shake it up, you ask it a question, and you flip it over. Help us for the ones who actually acted on what the magic eight ball had to say, right? It's all a matter of the weight and how you're holding it and that little thing bouncing up and down. Some of you claim to like Chinese food. But it's just your secret way of getting your fortune out of your fortune cookie. Right? Listen. Eat Chinese food with me. You can have the fortune. I'll take the cookie. Right? What about um, horoscopes? Daily horoscopes. That tell us because we were born in some phase of the moon, we live differently. And it's just so close to being right. Scary. And now you've got notifications on your phone. You're undoing that right now, I hope. And identifying those for the trash that they really are. What about this one? Got to show some respect here. Dear Abby. How many of you are old enough to have actually read a Dear Abby in this thing called a newspaper? Last week we looked at letters. This week we looked at newspaper. It's like these large sheets of paper with words printed on them in ink. Right? And people write in questions. 
listen, Dear Abby is the unlimited source of illustration material for preaching. You know, I mean, you're like, really? People would write that in? And there's any number now of the same who would like offer, shall we say, more specified topical information and counsel. There's also one, um, uh, she's a radio host. Her name is Delilah. You heard it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to hurt myself. I mean, inflict pain on me to distract from the pain that she is causing me. She is a radio host that doles out counsel to melancholy-inducing tunes from substance-controlled love song bands. That's what she does. Yeah. You know, I'm going to play a special song from Air Supply for you. Because I don't have any clue why you would call and ask that on national radio. But we don't want you to feel like the big idiot you just made yourself out to be. Right? And now, for the most popular of all, we've moved to the immediacy of long, laborious social media posts. What would you do? Oh my goodness. I'm going to unfollow you so I don't have to see that anymore. I'm not going to unfriend you. I don't want you to know that I've unfollowed you. And know that I'm ignoring you. I'm just going to unfollow you. So you can think you have a friend. But not really have a friend. Not that I've ever done that. Or that you've ever done that. Right? Or that you've ever saw saw someone else's post and didn't slap yourself. Because it didn't hurt as bad as what that post hurt when you had to read it. How do you seek counsel and wisdom in the world? Where do you go? How do you make decisions in your life? How is it that you look at the things of this world and look at your life and interpret or, or make sense of or, or try to give meaning to life? You see, the issue that we're addressing today is where does a Christian seek wisdom to follow God's ways in the world? Where do we seek that wisdom from? And what I want to put forth to you today is simply this, that God gives Christians His Spirit to discern like Christ's mind and live by His Spirit. That, that I would propose to you today, God gives all that you need. He, he, he gives His Spirit to discern like Christ's mind and to live by His Wisdom, And so I want to urge you today that wherever you have sought sources of wisdom in the world to shift those away from worldliness, away from self maybe, and to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, to look to the only source of godly wisdom, and that's in His Word by His Holy Spirit living within you. So I want you to trust in Jesus and live by the Spirit, and walk in His wisdom. I, I, I want to urge you to do this because of three gifts. I think we see in this passage of Scripture today three gifts that Paul very clearly lays out that are given by God and in the way they're given by God for us to walk in godly wisdom each and every day of our life. First of all, go with me to chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 6 through 10 of 1 Corinthians 2, and I'll show you the first gift. Paul says this, Yet among the mature, 
we do impart wisdom. In other words, he's talking about among the church there. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Let's pause there for just a moment. I want to give you the first gift that God has given us to live in His wisdom. And it's simply this, that God revealed His wisdom by the Spirit. God revealed His wisdom by the Spirit. Paul continues in his argument here in verse 6 what he set forth in all of chapter 1. That the wisdom of the world is folly, but the world thinks godly wisdom is what is folly. And so God chose the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. He chose the weakness of the world to demonstrate his strength. And what was that foolish or foolish? What was that folly? And what was that foolishness in the cross of Jesus Christ? For he said, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Those who are not listening to the Lord Jesus. Those who are not seeking the wisdom of God. But to those who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. It's the wisdom of God. This and God's divine eternal wisdom is how he chose to bring about his revelation in the world. And he did that by his spirit, by giving us his Spirit. So as Paul continues from chapter 1 with this idea of wisdom and maturity, he's confronting the Corinthians in how they've gotten wrapped up in honoring worldly wisdom and seeking to live by it more than to live by God and by His world. We saw in chapter 1 that the Corinthians were enamored with worldly labels. The things that the world valued, they valued. The things that the world said were of higher spirituality or higher spiritual value, they embraced as of higher spiritual value. But the world's wisdom is not aligned with God's wisdom. As a matter of fact, he says to us that the world's wisdom stands in direct contrast to God's wisdom. What the world says is wise, God has said is foolishness, but the world has not discerned that. He tells us there are two kinds of wisdom in the world, but those two kinds are not of the same thing. For godly wisdom is not like worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom, he tells us, originates in the world, among people. It's the high and lofty intellect of individuals. It's the high achievements and accelerations, if you will. Any way you want to measure it, it's the accomplishments of the world. It's the values that the world celebrates. It's the glory that the world desires. These are the things that comprise worldly wisdom and how it originates. But the thing about worldly wisdom is that it's only good in this world. And the longer you live in it, the more condemning it becomes for your life. You see, godly wisdom originates with God 
and it is eternal in its value. For God gives his wisdom by revelation through his spirit in order to receive and to reveal eternal glory. And that's what Paul is telling us here. He's telling us this, that godly wisdom is the maturing agent of transformation for God's people. As he begins here in verse 6, he says, yet among the mature. Now what he's talking about there is the church versus the world. In other words, those who have been saved versus those who have not been saved. Those who are Christians versus those who are not Christians. Now we know once you come into the church, there is a sense of sanctification. There is a sense of growing or maturing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the essence with which Paul is using the term here, yet he's distinguishing between those who have been saved and those who are not saved. And what he says is is that it is God's wisdom through the cross of Jesus Christ that determines the difference. It is the maturing agent of transformation for God's people. And this is the direct message that the church uses to grow and mature. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. He says it this way, the secret and the hidden wisdom of God. Now what he means by secret and hidden wisdom is not that the gospel cannot be known, but rather that the gospel of Jesus Christ was held by God until such a time that he revealed it in his own perfect timing and in his own perfect way. Think about the contrast of this. For Paul draws from the prophet Isaiah to show how it was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was even born that he would die in the way he died. He would raise from the dead the way he rose from the dead and that no one would conceive of this on the earth. As a matter of fact, it was so illogical to worldly wisdom they wouldn't believe it when they saw it with their own eyes. And that's the contrast that Paul is talking about here. But rather, God chose to reveal His wisdom in a person of the Lord Jesus Christ in His perfect timing. If you think about the immediate context that Jesus lived in, you had the religious rulers who completely rejected Jesus, right? They didn't like Him. They didn't like what He was about. They didn't like what He said. They didn't like what He claimed. They didn't like what He did. There wasn't anything about Jesus they liked. But what about the followers of Jesus? Even they would come to him and press against him, Lord. So they acknowledged who he was, but they didn't understand what he would have to do. When are you going to restore your kingdom? They kept beating this against him. Let's do it now. Get your white horse, ride in, and let's take over. Because their concept was defined purely by a parameter of thinking that was determined by the world. It was power in terms of the world. And the greatest power that's beyond the world, God would demonstrate rather not in life, but in death. And from death, bringing life. So God's wisdom is contained in his eternal decree by the word of the cross. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, that was the word of God that was decreed, that created and shaped his eternal wisdom. You see, all of godly wisdom centers in one person, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. 
It's the person of Jesus Christ. The rulers of the world didn't recognize him as the Messiah that they claimed to be awaiting. They missed him because they were looking for and thinking about a Messiah in terms of worldly values, in terms of worldly wisdom. And Paul says that's why they crucified him. Because they didn't conceive that he could have possibly been God's wisdom revealed. But we shouldn't lose hope because this was God's plan all along. He ordained to reveal His wisdom through what the world could not conceive. And He revealed by His Spirit that, the wis- that His wisdom in the world and what the world would consider folly would be the power for our salvation. And so God saves people through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What the world considers folly, but what is our power For salvation to all who believe in Him. I I believe this first gift, friends, by which I would urge you today to trust in God needs to cause us to pause and to reflect for a moment because from it we see the key to all we will understand in our whole study of 1 Corinthians. That God revealed His wisdom by the Holy Spirit and it came not through just an activity but rather consumed in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, it's the good news that we adhere to as Christians. And the gospel is not simply a better form of worldly wisdom but it is the eternal wisdom of our Creator God through the cross of Jesus Christ that is altogether superior to the worldly wisdom in every form. And you go, how does that matter for my life? That's exactly what we're going to talk about throughout this study. For God's eternal wisdom through the cross of Jesus Christ is altogether superior to worldly wisdom in every form. And every time we deal with an issue in the book of Corinthians and every time you are confronted by an issue, whether it is the smallest or the grandest in your life, you are confronted with this same challenge. Will you believe? Will you value? Will you honor worldly wisdom? Or will you by faith in Jesus Christ through the power of Holy Spirit with which He has revealed it honor God and His wisdom? For the gospel leads Christians to rethink all of life by faith through the cross. For it is the word of the cross through the power and the wisdom by which we are saved. Friends, no one understands God's wisdom on their own. You don't fall into God's wisdom. You don't happen upon God's wisdom. You may perceive it that way, but no one understands God's wisdom on their own. Eternal wisdom is a gift from God by the revelation of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not the partial revelation of God. He is the full, He is the final, and He is the complete revelation of God. There is no insufficiency in Jesus Christ. There is no incompleteness in Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus plus something else you need from God, therefore to live your life. Jesus is the full, the complete, and the final revelation of God's full and complete wisdom. Christians never have to wonder if God will give you his wisdom. For God gives wisdom to all who trust in Jesus for salvation because Jesus 
is God's eternal wisdom fully revealed. That's what James 1.5 says, says to us. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Because in Jesus Christ, you have the full access to all of his eternal wisdom. And what Paul is saying here to begin is that the rulers of Paul's day missed godly wisdom by holding the world's value in higher esteem and honor than God. Hear me, friends. With this first gift that God has given to others, that God has given to us who by faith trust in Jesus, it should remind us this, that whatever you hold of highest value in your life will determine how you view everything else for your life. Whatever you hold in highest value in your life will determine how you view everything else for your life. When God is not your first priority, He can only be your biggest problem. And your biggest frustration. Because God does not share glory. He is a God who is worthy not to have to split the glory of your life. He'll either take it all or he'll have none of it at all. That's what you've got to come to grips with. It's not Jesus coming onto your life to improve what's already there. It's Jesus instead of your life. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Is that true of you? If you claim the name of Christ to be a Christian today, the question that godly wisdom demands you answer is, have you died in Christ? And where God, by His commands by His expectations, by His demands, by whatever you perceive His Word to be, where He is a problem and a frustration for you, it's because you hold in higher value something else or someone else in your life. Every time. When we view all of life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God ceases to be a frustration and Jesus becomes our glorious salvation. Jesus is God's eternal wisdom revealed to all who by faith trust in Him. And that's why I urge you today to place your faith in Jesus because every person should trust in Jesus and live by the Holy Spirit to walk in God's eternal wisdom because of this first gift. There's a second gift I want you to see and it's in the second part of verse 10 through 13. Let's go there and read from God's Word. Paul writes, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Let's pause there for a moment and look at the second gift that God has given to us, whereby we can walk daily with Jesus through the gospel and live by the Spirit to know His wisdom in our life. And simply this, that God gives His Spirit to understand His wisdom. 
not only has God revealed his wisdom by his spirit, but God then gives his spirit to us that we might understand his wisdom. The spirit of God is the interpreter on both sides of the factor. You ever been in a foreign country and had to rely upon an interpreter? And you said something and the interpreter said it and the person who couldn't understand you but claims to understand what the interpreter says looks at you like you're an idiot. And you go, something got lost from here to here and there to there. And I have no idea what it is. So you just smile back at them. Having no idea exactly what they think you just said to them. Right? And so what God has done is not only has he given his wisdom by his spirit, but the spirit now inhabits us. He gives us his spirit so that in what he is saying to us can be perfectly translated and understood by us. It's a gift, friends. It's not something you earn. It's not something you achieve. It's not something you purchase. It's not something you attain to. It's something by faith you receive because of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm going away. But what did he say? I will send the Spirit. And the Spirit is here not to glorify the Spirit, but to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and in the work of Jesus Christ to exalt the Father that the wisdom of God by which all things were created, by which the measurements down to the minutia of the fraction of a millimeter, God determined the size of this world. God determined the numbers of the universes by which we've yet to even see, yet alone expound. God determined how your life would be shaped and your your life would be formed, and it is the same wisdom that is delivered to us by the Spirit and received. It's a gift. Paul helps us understand why the Spirit given to us is so powerful. He gives us five aspects of what it means to make the gift of God's Spirit glorious in us. Look in verse 10, the second part, he says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Listen, friends, the first gift of the Holy Spirit being in you, this first aspect is that it brings God's comprehensive wisdom in us. That there is no aspect of God that is yet unknown or not within us. I'm not saying we comprehend everything about God. Don't get me wrong. But we have access to all of God because of the Spirit. Nothing about God that we, there, there is nothing about God that we do not have access to, but by Holy Spirit in us, we see the work of God. And so we can see God do something and go, that's God. That's where most people miss it. You know, the testimony you saw today, so many people can look at that in their own life. And when the Lord speaks to them, go, oh God, I've already satisfied you in that. Leave me alone and deny the Spirit. Some of you are doing that today. In some aspect of your life, You know what God wants for you, but you're dismissing it. And there's a religious argument that's attached to it. And that religious argument is grounded in worldly wisdom. You honor and value the words of religion more than the relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the very thing that's keeping you from living and walking in godly wisdom. We not only see the work of God, we see the ways of God. I I love this because... Through the work of God, we begin to understand how God works. We see who he is. I see what God did. That means God loves. That means God is caring. That means God is compassionate. And we begin to see how he works in his life. 
And what we're going to learn in a minute through one illustration in Scripture is God loves us so much, He loves us too much just to let us linger in disobedience. He disciplines us. And if you don't know God and you don't understand His ways, you'll just think that God's a mean, angry, vindictive God. But if you know God, you've seen Him work and you understand His ways because of the wisdom of God, you'll see His discipline in your life and you'll accept it and receive it as from Him. And you'll give thanks and honor and glory to him for how much he loves you. Not only that, but we come to know the will of God. The will of God that is not only in and for our lives now, but that is for our lives even yet to come, yet to be lived. This is your will, God, and however you want to carry it out, that's up to you. But my life is surrendered to you. See, that's what the wisdom of God do. It gives us a full picture of and a full access to God's heart. Christian, you... You have living in you the one who knows all and every thought of God. Would you just think about that for a minute? Here's here's one of the aspects of God giving His Spirit is that the Spirit knows the mind of God, the depths of His thinking. It's in you. This, This is not just a pity offering. This is a full experience of God himself coming to take up residence in our life. Why would we ever look to other sources? Let me tell you the other, the second, excuse me, uh, a reason that or aspect that makes this gift of God's spirit to us so glorious. He goes on in verse 11 to say, so no one else comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. God's spirit is not only comprehensive, it's exclusive. It's the only source of godly wisdom by which we can have. No one else holds or has God's wisdom. And you will not because you cannot pick up God's wisdom from other sources. Thinking that you can live in God's wisdom by coincidence makes the odds of winning the Powerball lottery look overwhelmingly hopeful to you. Without the Spirit of God, you have no chance of knowing the will of God. But God gives the only source of His wisdom, Holy Spirit. So we know the comprehensive source of God's will, God's mind, God's wisdom and His thinking. We have the exclusive source. Not only that, but look in verse 12. He says, now we have received the Spirit who is from God. He tells us that the Holy Spirit is a continual supply of God's wisdom. The Spirit remains. He's not on loan. He, he does, he's not like a Snapchat. He doesn't uh, uh, dissipate and, and go only somewhere else afterwards. It's not like he comes and then he's gone. He comes and then he's gone. No, God's Spirit comes and he remains. He is with us. This is no ordinary spirit. It's a direct access. It's the first-hand knowledge of God who reveals, who knows, and who searches, and who comprehends God's wisdom that we might come into the same understanding that He has within us. He is our continual supply of godly wisdom that lives within us. And so God gives the Holy Spirit that those who trust in Him might have an unlimited supply of His wisdom. God will never run out on you. The fourth aspect is this, that we might understand. I I like this because it's not only the comprehensive knowledge of God that we have, it's not only the exclusive access to that. 
It's not only the continual, but friends, it's the compassionate knowledge of God that we might understand. God gives His Holy Spirit because He cares that we understand His wisdom. God's not playing a game with you. God's not trying to jack with you and make you think, I wonder if they'll ever figure this out. Oh, that's funny, you know. And I know you do that with your kids sometimes. They're learning to walk. Before you tell them, you say, I'm just going to have to let him figure it out for himself. You know, they bump into this and they bump into that. And you, you put pads on everything around the house so they really can't hurt themselves. So then they just become your entertainment. Shame on you. It is funny, though. God's not jacking with you. God's given his spirit. And, and listen, like a faithful teacher who doesn't, just, who doesn't just disseminate information so they can throw the responsibility on the student, but they labor for understanding. They labor for the light bulb moment for when the student goes, oh, right? I mean, that's, that's what God wants to do. He, he, he cares. He's compassionate with us. He wants us to understand. And, and, and listen, in, instead of, of, of God being some kind of, 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 of fly-by-night source for us, rather, he, he, He's the first cloud technology. We, we have access to Him. I mean, he, He's just downloading as fast as we'll receive and that we'll surrender from Him. That there is no moment or time that we disconnect when the Spirit lives within us. For His eternal wisdom is an eternal supply that He is eternally compassionate to make sure that we understand. So God gives His Spirit out of compassion to supply our minds with the right understanding of God. Here's the fifth aspect of this, of this gift of the Spirit. Here's what Paul says, And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So God gives the Holy Spirit to counsel us as we share and as we teach others. To counsel us, the same word, he says, uh, it doesn't necessarily have the same meaning. And, and the same words that are used in this world don't always exemplify the same Wisdom, And what he is saying is that the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to think about everything in light of God's wisdom and to come to be able to answer the world's questions, not on their terms as they often demand of us, but rather with their terms. And we're redefining this life as we know it by the reality of the word of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'll give you one of the biggest, the word love. In worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom, there couldn't be a more stark contrast between what it means to love. Right? So because of the cross, the Spirit is imparting to us a counsel, not only to understand, but as we share. And what the gospel does is it takes what the world so desperately longs for and redefines what it means. We take common words, but the gospel grants to them an uncommon supernatural meaning. And so God gives His Spirit to counsel us as we share and as we teach the gospel. God gives Holy Spirit that we might know His wisdom, friends, and know His commands, and that we might seek him and his counsel. Let me give you that illustration from Scripture I spoke of a while ago. In 1 Samuel, 
chapter 28, it tells the story of King Saul. Who King Saul had become riddled with worldly power and fame and ultimately valued what the world was giving to him more than what God had promised for him. And because of that, his life became full of fear and anxiety. And he became unsure what to do at one time. And, and the prophet Samuel wasn't available. And so Saul, because in obedience to God, he had sent all the, the, the uh, necromancers and the fortune tellers. He had excised them all out of the country. He needed one at this point because he wanted to pursue what they would tell him when Samuel, God's wisdom to him at that time, was not available. So he dressed up in a costume, left the country, and found a fortune teller. And he asked the fortune teller, what would God do about this? And when God gives her a vision of who this person is, it scares her to death. And she doesn't want anything to do with him. And Samuel finds out about it and confronts Saul about it. But Saul doesn't care. He's already done what he thought was best because he valued the world's wisdom. And when you come to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, it tells us, excuse me, chapter 10, it tells us this. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord and that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium. Seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Friend, Saul lost his kingdom and his life when he disobeyed God and sought worldly counsel. And I would argue to you and I that we may not lose it as immediately as Saul did. But we lose the same thing every time we turn to the world for its counsel. And turn away from God for His. Godly wisdom is nothing like worldly wisdom. And when we seek both, trying to blend the best of the two, we devalue God's wisdom and we confuse our hearts. You cannot honor God and live by the world's wisdom. God doesn't want His people looking to the world for wisdom. God gives His Spirit to supply His wisdom to His people for His purposes. And that's the second gift. And the third gift we see is in verses 14 to 16. Look with me there. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Friends, the third gift by which I would urge you to trust in the Lord Jesus today is this. That God gives discernment by His Spirit to live in godly wisdom. Gift number one. God gives wisdom by the Spirit. Gift number two. God gives the Spirit to understand the wisdom that He's given. Gift number three. By the Spirit, God gives discernment to live in the wisdom that He has given. Paul explains that there's a reason people do not know God's wisdom. He does the contrast between the natural person and the spiritual person. He says this, the natural person doesn't accept the things of God because he perceives them as folly. 
Because he perceives and holds the world in higher value than God. And it causes their life to be aligned by worldly values. And listen, here's the thing about worldly values. Worldly values hold promise of immediate reward and immediate pleasure. Immediate return is what worldly values hold. Why do they hold that? Because it's only good for the here and now. It's only good for now. It has an expiration date, and by the time you finish reading it, it's past. It never was any good. It can't sustain what it promises, and it won't satisfy in what it provides. That's what Paul is saying. People who hold worldly values in equal or higher value than God's word can never discern the value of God's wisdom for their life. Why? Because God's wisdom won't make sense. For the same reason they crucified Christ. They just won't get it. It just won't make sense. And honoring worldly values in your life always means a denial of godly wisdom for your life. You see, when an area of disobedience is present in your life, an issue of honoring worldly wisdom remains in you. When a lack of joy exists, a worldly value is being held by you above godly wisdom. And you will never live in obedience to God's word as long as you hold more honor for worldly wisdom. And you will never know the full joy of obedience to godly wisdom as long as worldly values are held in higher esteem than God's values. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. That word for first there doesn't mean in a long order of everything you want to add to it. It means exclusively give priority to God. Set it where none other will be set. Place it in a position of honor and value in your life that is comparative and that is competitive, uh, competed for by nothing else in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. It means by faith we hold nothing of greater value than or equal to God. And listen, friends, I want you to know that mature Christians, people who are actually growing in the wisdom of God, they see this conflict every day in their life between the natural person and the spiritual person. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. To see the conflict is a confirmation that the Spirit is working. It doesn't mean that you're obeying the Spirit. It does confirm that the Spirit's working. So do not be condemned if you see the conflict. Be very afraid if there is none. God's Spirit empowers one to see life with spiritual discernment. You know what discernment means? It means to cut a straight line. I I mean, it, it means to separate the dross from the pure. To cut the cloudy from the clear. It means to study and to examine everything in light of God's truth in order to determine whether it aligns with God's wisdom. And once studied, a judgment is made to honor God and to obey Him. You see, Holy Spirit grants discernment in life to know what aligns with God's eternal wisdom in order to live for His glory. The, spiritual, uh, the, the Spirit doesn't say to us, oh, just, just whatever. But I tell you what, when we know what God's Word says and we don't want to do what God's Word says, all we have to do is say no to the Spirit and put a muzzle on Him and then we can go about our own way and when it doesn't work out, we can blame God. Well, I didn't hear Him say anything. Oh, no, 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 no. The Spirit is never silent. 
always speaking. Spiritual discernment means we judge everything in light of Jesus Christ crucified. Christians view everything different in the world, friends, because Christ is viewed differently. That's what he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Spiritual discernment is empowered by God's Spirit. Because we love Jesus first, we look at the world and we look at our life to examine and to ask, does this demonstrate our love for Jesus in obedience? Because we honor Jesus first. We look at the world and we look at our life and we examine it and ask, does this honor Jesus and give him glory? Does it align and obey his word or does it conflict with his word? You see, faith in Jesus leads us to see all of life through the cross of Jesus Christ and to trust that the word of the cross is the power of our salvation. Not the word that the world offers. Friends, do you look at the world and your life differently because of Jesus? That's the question that will cut through the clutter in spiritual discernment. It means we live, finally, listen to this, without the world's judgment weighing down on us. Christians discern everything. You make judgments about everything. That's what he says. But they're judged by no one. Doesn't mean that the world doesn't hurl insults and judgments at us. It just means they can't stick. Why? Because Romans 8, 1 says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the word of the Spirit and life has set us free. And if Jesus has set you free, what? Indeed. It means we live by the mind of Christ alive in us. We've come full circle, friends. Godly wisdom by which is revealed through the Holy Spirit, by which the Spirit is given to us to understand, and by which the Spirit is given to us to discern, means that we have the mind of Jesus living in us. The only perfect man that walked on the face of this earth is alive in us. And my labors today are to get you to believe that. Not only to believe it, but to hope in it against every hope that the world would offer to us. God gives Christians his spirit to discern like Christ's mind and to live by his wisdom. I'll ask the worship team to return. Christian, can I ask you a question? Where are you looking for wisdom? What are you listening to? What are you holding dear? The right people? The right things? What are you looking to for wisdom? Is it godly wisdom? Or is it worldly wisdom? Is it discerned by the Spirit? Or is it handed down by any good source that you can deem as what you think it ought to be? Here's what I want to ask you to do in the next few minutes. Just as we begin to to sing and respond to the Lord, I, I want to ask you to do this. I just want to ask you to pray a simple prayer that says, Lord Jesus, would you speak to my heart by your Holy Spirit right now? And would you bring great clarity to the places in my life where worldly values and worldly wisdom remain? And by the power of your spirit, would you bring discernment in me to turn from those values and that wisdom 
to trust in what you've done for me. Would you do that today, Christian? Just let the Spirit of God speak very clearly to you about your life. And be ready to say yes whatever He calls you to do. You may not have a full understanding of everything He wants you to do, but your first yes is the yes to what the Spirit speaks to you in that time. If you're here today and you've never come to a point in your life where you've turned from yourself and you've placed your trust in Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. God doesn't just give His Spirit to those that, you know, oh, He picks and chooses. He doesn't want everybody to have it, but listen, God gives His Spirit to those who place their faith in Jesus. And so if today you've lived by worldly wisdom and you know it doesn't work, and today you want to put your faith in Jesus, you want to look on the cross where He died for your sins and He paid the sacrifice for your sins, and you want to put your trust in what He's done, you want to ask Him to come into your life and be your Lord and your Master, I want you to know God will pour out His Spirit on you today and He will place His wisdom in you by that. Just by a simple prayer that says, God, I know that Jesus is your Son. I know that He died for my sins and that He rose from the grave to bring me new life. I want my death to be in His, that my life might be in His as well. You pray that prayer, God will save you. Let me pray for you. And as the worship team leads us, I'm going to invite you to come. Let an elder pray for you and encourage you today and help you understand what it means to live as a Christian. Heavenly Father, help us today. Help us to put away all the pressures that the world affords to us to to in some way say no to you. Help us to put away all the thoughts and the inclinations that would cause us to be distracted from you and help us just to put Christ at the front and center of our hearts and minds. Be ready to say yes as His Spirit speaks. In Jesus' name.